It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And last night, the NFL season officially came to its conclusion when the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. Yep. Is that where we are? Jesus, man. Which is two away from 60, right? And that means, you know, if we live 40 more years, we'll get to 100. And you know that's they're going to bring out all the stops yeah. for Super, Super Bowl, Bowl C. <laughs> that doesn't even feel right, no. honestly. Like, I, I think don't that's even a Roman like numeral that. for 100. Uh, like that's, 80% that's, sure. Feels right. C. Centennial. Centennial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, hopefully we make it there. But <laughs> as for 58, the Chiefs uh, building this dynasty – is I mean I think we're I think we're firmly in dynasty territory. Yeah, easily. I mean they got three Super Bowls in five years. They've I mean they are been to four. So the only person to stop them has been the Bengals and Joe Burrow and you know Mahomes was even banged up then. So uh, it's nuts seeing what they've assembled. They have the youngest defense in the NFL. Uh, kind of hodgepodge receiver core and they're still getting it done i mean mahomes man the this was the year that said it all about the the man under center and what he is capable of under less than ideal conditions but we're gonna look to maybe change that today i'm not sure but uh what we are doing I talked about this last week. It is a return of an episode from season one in which you and I have said might just be our favorite episode of the entire season at Camp Dynasty, and that is perfect matches. The NFL season is now behind us. It is completely in the rear view mirror. 73 now, <laughs> days till the NFL draft. And now the countdown begins. <laughs> <laughs> Counting down to the draft, which means it's time to start talking about these players, our campers, not only as the players that they are and that they have been in college football, but looking ahead to the players that they will become when they are drafted into the NFL and starting to think about where that might be and how that may affect them come dynasty draft season. So this is really a a, a shift in mentality here at Camp Dynasty. The NFL season ends. Now we're starting to really talk about what is coming next and getting ourselves prepared for the NFL draft and for the subsequent dynasty season that will ensue. So very excited to kick this thing off, Colin. Yeah, I, I won't say the words that I think yeah. we've said on either two or three straight podcasts, but, I mean, it's time to start seriously evaluating, you know, where these guys are going to go, uh, who these guys are as players. You know, a lot of dynasty drafts now, managers are more and more impatient, and they're like, I need that that dopamine hit of rookie drafts as soon as that NFL draft ends. And – if you are behind starting now, you'll start to fall behind then because 
your league mates are preparing. So if you're here, you're in the right place. Listen, it's it's real. You can feel it in the air. Uh, our most recent TikTok, check out the channel if you haven't. There's the plug, at camp.dynasty. But our most recent TikTok, speaking about one of our top campers, Malik Neighbors, got more views, more likes, all of those things. That just to me says people are ready. They're starting to think about the draft. They're starting to think about what's coming next in terms of dynasty rookie drafts. It is that time where we all collectively come together and uh, start to really enjoy this draft process. So for us, love's in the air, baby. It's Valentine's Day this week. We are going to make some perfect matches, hopefully, here with some of our top campers. We will be going through a list of 10 top campers in this draft at a variety of positions, but it will be wide receiver heavy as we expect the first round of dynasty drafts to be heavy at the wide receiver position. These names are sort of across the board. It, we have high first round NFL, you know, potential picks and we have some guys that are, you know, maybe even flirting with day two, day three status in terms of some of the running backs. So it's a wide range. We're going to talk a lot of different landing spots here and how this is going to work a little bit different than last year. We have selected our perfect matches for all 10 players. Last year, we we each split this list five and five, and we kind of just said, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a perfect match. No, no, no. That's not how love works. We are going to lock these up. We have selected perfect matches for all 10. It will only be a perfect match here at Camp Dynasty if we agree on the spot that is a perfect match. If it is not, then it is not meant to be. So we probably won't have as many perfect matches this year, but maybe we're just expert matchmakers, Colin. Yeah, maybe we just are just lockstep, synced up, we know each other's hearts and we can, you know, feel what the other, I feel like we got a little bit of chemistry. We got here. some synergy. Yeah. Some chemistry. So, uh, I, I'm feeling there's going to be, you know, more than half at least. I think so. Let's do it. Let's kick it off. Let's find out. I have brought back the wheel of love at camp dynasty, dusted it off, pulled it out from the, one of the back cabins there. We got it out front and center here. So, let me go ahead and spin the Wheel of Love for the first time and see who we are matching up to kick this thing off. And it's Troy Franklin. Okay. So we are going to start with a name, and this is one of those interesting ones where the suitors here are kind of, you know, varying levels. Will Franklin be a first rounder? Will he be, you know, top of the second round? We're going to find out here. But um, I should mention that the suitors were chosen sort of based on projected draft range, but also like giving a little bit of breathing room towards like maybe a little higher than people are thinking, maybe a little lower than people are thinking. We're not making predictions as to who will draft them we are deciding who is the perfect fit within that general draft range for these players. So it might not be a, you know, one for one, what you're seeing in a mock draft or, or anything like that, but it is based on team fit. So I chose the suitors 
for Mr. Troy Franklin. So let's bring him out. So first of all, we've got the Houston Texans who are selecting 23rd. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are selecting 26th. We've got the Arizona Cardinals second first round pick at 27. And we've got the Carolina Panthers sitting at the top of the second round at pick 33. So, I have my perfect match. You have your perfect match. Yep. And my perfect match for Troy Franklin is the Carolina Panthers at 33. So, the Panthers desperately need help in the wide receiver room. I think that is a position that they will be addressing at 33. And if Troy Franklin ends up, you know, falling out of the first round, which is very possible with this wide receiver class being as loaded as it is, the Panthers should be dipping into that. And Franklin, in my opinion, can be a number one wide receiver. I think he would serve best as a 1B. But I think he can be a number one for this Panthers offense that was running off of Adam Thielen's uh, dusty bones last year. (laughs) I mean, they tried to bring in Jonathan Mingo, and he didn't quite – I mean, we knew who he was as a player. He wasn't exactly a plug-and-play day one, you know, 100-plus target guy. And so then it was just a bunch of guys. So bring in Troy Franklin, get Bryce Young a difference maker, and let's see some some improvement in this Panthers offense. This is a perfect match. Yes! We're one for one. Um I completely I, I completely agree. And I think this is uh I mean Troy Franklin is a player that has a pretty wide range in this draft. I mean, if you're consuming mock drafts at a, you know, unhealthy level, like I will be for the next several months, uh, you'll see Troy Franklin in some cases as early as like 25 ish, like somewhere in that range in the first round, all the way to like a mid second. And that's kind of a running theme with a lot of these wide receivers, because there are so many of them and teams will be choosing their flavor, choosing, you know, which guy they resonated with most who, you know, checks out most based on what they're looking to add. And on a surface level, I think this is just a perfect match where you have Adam Thielen who had 136 targets (laughs) last year. That cannot happen again. No, (laughs) like that cannot happen again. And, and next up for them was, was Jonathan Mingo with 83 targets. And, the thing about Mingo is he is more of that sort of like underneath, you know, slot sort of option here. And he's very much still developing into a player that can be a reliable option. Well, let's throw Troy Franklin into this thing. Let's get an outside threat, a vertical threat for this offense. A guy who I I won't call this a comp, but not necessarily dissimilar to a player like DJ Chark in what you're going to try to do with him. It's just that DJ Chark cannot separate at this point in his career. And Troy Franklin is an excellent separator. So 
you're you're getting a major upgrade there on the outside over a player like Chark. You're getting a potential new number one option, kind of letting Adam Thielen dial his workload back as he gets a little bit older. And you're giving Bryce Young another weapon that is a player that can separate and can get open and help this quarterback. And, and you know, that's what it's all about in Carolina right now is just building this around Bryce and trying to to prop him up as much as, uh, you know, anything else. And if you look at the tape for the Panthers last season, it is riddled with bad scheme. It's true. But also just guys are not open when Bryce hits that back foot. And I mean, yes, Bryce struggled on his own, but his receivers didn't give him any help. So a little separation in that wide receiver room would do a lot for this Panthers team, and Troy Franklin can provide that. Boom. Boom. God, look at that. This love is everywhere. Look at all the smiling faces or champagne already. It's Troy is running away with the Carolina Panthers out the front door, but we have nine other matches to make here. So let's keep it moving. I'm going to spin the wheel of love once again. Ooh, okay. We got a running back. It's Braylon Allen. Okay. So Braylon Allen is your RB1 in this class the last time I checked. Is that still an accurate statement? It is still an accurate statement. He's still hanging out at the RB1 spot, and it I mean, it has a lot to do with the class, but I also, you know, there's some traits here. The age thing cannot be overlooked, so. So with that said, you picked suitors for your RB1. I did. I and those are? Four of them, again, as we did for all these guys. <laughs> uh, so I I kept it in the in a late second round range for Braylon because that feels about right for this running back class. I have the Eagles at pick 53. We have the Cowboys at pick 56 we have the texans at pick 59 and we have the ravens at pick 62 so my perfect match for braylon allen is the houston texans so i've been singing the the braylon allen baltimore ravens you know I've been singing that tune for months. Uh, but you look at the offenses and talk about fit purely. Like, it would be electric to see Braylon Allen with Lamar Jackson, be their short yards back, do the dirty work, all that. But this Bobby Slowick offense with C.J. Stroud at the helm, there's a good amount of under center stuff that they run, get the play action going. And, I mean, you look at the bodies they have in the backfield. Damian Pierce was essentially relegated to a special teams role this year. Devin Singletary, I mean, he's limited. We, we know that. He led the team in rushing this year, but he's still Devin Singletary. If they can get somebody that can pop big plays out of the backfield that – can get those short yards because they don't really have a short yardage back right now. And 
you know, do some things to make CJ Stroud's life easier. I think that would be pretty sick because they haven't had a bona fide running back in a long time. So I got Braylon Allen paired up with the Houston Texans. Man, uh, look at you go. You, you've been building this Ravens reveal. This is true primetime television <laughs> that you've just unveiled on us here. Um, and just to clarify, you know, if anybody is listening to this and saying, Braylon Allen at the end of the second, that's ridiculous. That's not good. All the picks tr- can translate. You know, if, if we don't think he's a second, these play, these teams are all there at the end of the third, which might be the range where some folks are talking about him right now. So just let's get that out of the way because I can hear it already. <laughs> but, uh, Unfortunately, love is not in the air with this pick. This is this is not a perfect match. Houston has courted Braylon, and unfortunately, I am in the corner grabbing the Baltimore Ravens by the lapels and throwing them in, in Braylon's direction and creating quite a scene here in the cabin at Camp Dynasty because I – you sold it to me and I bought it and then I bought some more of it because I love this fit between the Ravens and Braylon Allen because I don't see Braylon Allen quite at the same level that you see him and that might be a reason for this but I see Braylon Allen slotting so perfectly into the Gus Edwards role for the Ravens offense Braylon Allen traditionally for three years has run a lot of gap scheme at Wisconsin this year in the spread, the air raid that was brought in, he was running a ton of zone and it was a ton of zone out of the gun. So that was a not great recipe for who this player is. And I think we see how the Ravens used Gus Edwards this year was, you know, a lot. And most NFL teams are running a lot of both. It's going to be a lot of power and zone stuff. But uh, with the Ravens and how they were using Gus, it's a lot of power run, a lot of gap scheme stuff, a lot of red zone stuff. And I think that is the st- those are the areas where Braylon Allen can make, you know, a mark no matter what. You can sit here, we can sit here all day and argue about his you know, upside and his explosiveness and his versatility and all of those things. At the end of the day, the Ravens in this system where they're not asking Gus to catch the ball, they're not asking him to do a lot of stuff. They're just saying, Hey, hit this hole, hit it hard and get in the end zone. And I think Braylon Allen is made for that and can be an upgrade potentially over a player like a Gus Edwards. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, so when I was thinking about it, I was in the same thought process where I was like, man, Braylon Allen in this, you know, Gus Edwards role. And I was thinking, you know what? We're talking about perfect matches. And I want, I'm thinking bigger than Gus Edwards role. I'm thinking starting running back. I'm thinking about dynasty asset. I'm thinking about, you know, mid first we're going with this guy because of the landing spot. And I was feeling electric Houston offense coming off of that huge playoff, those huge playoff performances and, you know, slot Braylon Allen in there wearing number zero in the backfield, New Jersey's, you know, I I don't know. 
I mean, I can see it. I like I like what I'm seeing in my mind when I see that. But um, Houston Houston will come up again. Maybe we we got a couple other running backs to talk about. We might talk about Houston again. That is a team that does could use a running back. So we might be back to Houston. But in the meantime, let's spin the wheel of love. See if we can get back on the right track with some perfect matches. And oh, just knock it out. We got another running back. Oof. Jonathan Brooks. A hot name in this class, one that is based on the mocks that I've been seeing, kind of a, like an 80% maybe RB1 at this point. Yeah. Like I'm seeing a lot of people identifying this player as the RB1. Uh, he is both of our RB2s at this point in time. Um, so I have suitors for Jonathan Brooks. And for Jonathan Brooks, I selected the Dallas Cowboys because we know they need a running back at this point. Tony Pollard, not cutting it anymore, unfortunately. Maybe some dynasty managers don't want to hear that. Maybe we're still in denial about Tony Pollard, but I'm calling it like I see it. And he's an so, unrestricted free agent. Well, there you go. So now that they're not bringing him back. I'm just going to say that. Right. They're not bringing him back. So we need a running back in Dallas. How about Houston? There they are. So coming from the Texas Longhorns, we have two Texas professional football teams courting the Longhorns running back here. Texans, we just talked about why they would need a running back. Hey, Devin Singletary, also an unrestricted free agent. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Uh. I was my my dynasty team is sad about that because <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the Houston Devin Singletary Renaissance, but um, the Green Bay Packers talk about unrestricted free agents. We got one there with AJ Dillon, and we have another potential cap casualty in Aaron Jones that is yet to be decided or seen what how they will approach that, but. It does seem as though the Packers will need to address the running back position in some fashion during the draft. And then the Arizona Cardinals, who were a hot pick for running backs in last year's class. We talked a lot about Jameer Gibbs potentially slotting into this team last year, and he went way too early for that yeah. to happen. But. Um, so we're going to do it again. Arizona back in the running back market, potentially with James Conner in the final year of his deal and a you know, potential cut opportunity for them as well. Uh, they have the out going into this season. So four teams here, one of which you know, tried to get a little, get, make some magic happen with Braylon Allen, but they were spurned. And for me, I did not pick the Houston Texans as my perfect match for Jonathan Brooks. I chose the green Bay Packers because I see Jonathan Brooks as an excellent replacement or, you know, what you would aspire to be a replacement for Aaron Jones. I see these players as not necessarily similar, like stylistically, but I see, 
Jones's role in the Packers offense. He has operated as their zone running back, as their outside, you know, get him on tosses, inside zone. A.J. Dillon prim- primarily, you know, running inside, running gap scheme. Aaron Jones very much filling this zone role, pass catching role for the Packers. Jonathan Brooks, a perfect fit in a zone running offense. Excellent vision, great one cut ability, played a lot of zone at Texas and can catch the ball. He's not a, you know, advanced level receiver. That's not how they were using him. But I think you see these skills that suggest that he can get even better than he was this year as a pass catcher. So I think the Packers here opting to address this need before it becomes dire, whether or not that means cutting Aaron Jones or allowing Jonathan Brooks coming off of an ACL injury to acclimate onto this team behind a star like Aaron Jones for one more year and uh, then letting him take the reins in 2025. But I see this as a perfect match long-term, and I think this can be the future of the Packers running back room. Well, we're 0 for 2 on running backs. Oh, damn it. No perfect match here. My perfect match for Jonathan Brooks is the Arizona Cardinals. So Jonathan Brooks is going to be down for the count at the beginning of the season, rehabbing from the ACL. He might play at the beginning of the season, but it'll be in a limited capacity, you know, to kind of look at Brees Hall's recovery. Uh, You could also cite, like, Kyler's recovery. He got injured late in the season and didn't quite come back till about midway through this season. Well, Brooks can take some time with the Cardinals because they are not winning a boatload of games next year. I don't think they're going to be contending for an AFC or an NFC West title. I think it'll be another year of kind of getting things right under this new coaching staff with a new GM, you know, building things under Kyler and then whoever they end up going with, with their, you know, number four pick number four pick. Yep. Yeah. Number four. So I think that he slots in perfect either james cook is a cap casualty or or james james connor sorry james connor is a cap casualty or james connor plays this year and brooks hangs out you know as the number two rehab get right and then comes into 2025 wow as the lead running back for this team so i think that either way he's going to be in a friendly offense where he can, you know, show off what he's got and whether James Conner is there or not, kind of similar to what you're talking about with the Packers and Aaron Jones, he can be the guy, not this year, but the year after. Man, a lot of disgruntled looks in the room right now. Folks are frowning. They've been, some are crying. The Raven even. the Ravens are really unhappy. They thought that <laughs> they were locked into Braylon Allen. Yeah, yeah. So they they're they're crying in the corner. <laughs> Somebody needs to go check on them. Um, we are over two on running backs, but we do have one more. So there's hope. But let's go back to the wheel of love and maybe get one of our top names in this class. Let's find out if we can get a perfect match there. And there we go. Rome 
Odunze, potentially the hottest name in this draft class, man. The, the buzz around Odunze lately has been insane. You have Daniel Jeremiah coming out saying, this is my favorite player in the draft. And then you have other analysts following his lead and saying, man, I love Odunze. I have him as wide receiver too. You know, that it's creating an interesting situation because we have been so locked in on neighbors at that number two spot, and I still am. But we are now in a living in a world in which, you know, it's not out of the question that Romo Dunze is drafted as the wide receiver two in the NFL. So uh let's take a look at the potential suitors in that case. These will be very high in the draft order. We expect Rome to go very high no matter if he is number two or number three uh so starting off we have the los angeles chargers this will be a hot name for the wide receivers because despite drafting quinton johnston only one year ago in the first round there is still a big need at that position and we we can talk about that uh, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and their age and contract situations. So that's, a, that's definitely a need. Uh, New York Giants right after them picking at number six. This is still, again, this is a team we talked about potentially needing a wide receiver in the first round last year. And uh, they opted to go a different direction. We got Jalen Hyatt in there, but we still need names in this room at the wide receiver position but is it their biggest need we will find out uh tennessee titans another team that i don't think has been really linked to receiver in many cases they pretty desperately need to address their offensive line but when you look at the room with a an, an aging new copkins and a Traylon burks who we are still waiting for does create an environment in which we could use a talent like Romo Dunze. And then finally, the Chicago Bears, which have been sort of bookending this run of the top three receivers in many cases, if it, whether it's Odunze, whether it's Neighbors, whichever one is falling down the top ten. It usually stops right here with Chicago after they select their quarterback with number one. So four teams here, all of which need wide receiver. Which one is the perfect match for Rome Odunze? I have selected the New York football giants as my perfect match for Rome Odunze. Now, why would I do this? Why would I do this? I, I, I thought about this one long and hard. This was my, this, this one and another one were my two hardest decisions and they're based around each other but for me while the Giants desperately need to address their offensive line and and quite honestly I feel like they will come draft time but that's not what we're here to do we're here to talk about perfect matches and I see Romo Dunze as a perfect fit in New York because a larger than life already he has taken on a persona of his own the New York media will fall in love with him. The fans will fall in love with him. This will be a celebrated pick. Nobody cares about Joe Alt. Nobody cares about offensive tackle. They want Romo Dunze in this offense, all right? So Romo Dunze, he's got the name value there, but also the skill set. 
What is something that we talked about last year with the Giants? They need size in the wide receiver room. We know that they have some some you know interesting names. Nobody that's a number one really. We like Wandale Robinson. We like some of the other complimentary pieces, but they don't have a number one and they don't have size, at least a, a, a wide receiver that can come in and be that big weapon on the outside. And I think that's exactly what Romo Dunze is. You can argue with me about Daniel Jones and how that would affect this pick in terms of a dynasty projection, but I'm looking big picture. I'm looking long-term. They'll figure out quarterback eventually, and Rome is maybe the alpha that they've been waiting for since Odell Beckham Jr. Let that breathe for a minute. Do an anti-Tony Romo. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Odunze, this is, like you said, one of the most interesting players at the top of the draft because it felt like for a little while he was the odd man out in this top three with Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and then Romo Dunze. And now it seems like there's people, I mean, putting him at two comfortably, put him at one potentially, I've seen. And, um, Man, this is a this is one of them that I had a lot of trouble with. It's like all these teams would be good, you know, but I feel like one of them stands alone. And that's the New York Football Giants. Let's go. <laughs> We're back. Uh they need a wide receiver in the worst way. Like they need a guy on the outside that can win. Um like you said, there's the Daniel Jones thing, and that's real. And that's going to kind of, you know, turn people off, I think, when it comes to uh, rookie draft time. It's like, oh, well, he's got Daniel Jones throwing the ball. I don't think he's their long-term solution. I know they signed him to the extension. I think they all realized that was a mistake, and they should have just franchise tagged him. But that's neither here nor there. Uh with the Chargers, it's a great match because it's sexy. It's, you know, Jim Harbaugh just watched him play in the national championship game, just schemed against him. Uh, he's like, man, this guy's good. But, they, like you said, they just took Quentin Johnson in the first round. They still have Keen Allen and Mike Williams beyond this year with contracts. I know Mike Williams is coming off an of injury. Keenan, you know, didn't have, he, he had an incredible year, and he's been incredibly consistent. Age, he's getting up there, but you never know. So who knows what this new Chargers staff wants to do. I mean, they cleaned house completely, and maybe they're just looking to build around Herbert and give him some young weapons. The Titans, I feel like we can both agree they are going to go O-line. I think they're going to be getting one of the top guys. And then the Bears, that was the one that I was like, man, maybe he'll go like Maybe this is the perfect match. You know, the Bears stepped up. They gave a great pitch. They're like, hey, we're taking a QB1. We're going Caleb Williams. You know, put him across from DJ Moore. It's going to look great. Fireworks. But I think ultimately he's the unquestioned number one wide receiver. You know, give him 120, 150 targets in New York and see what he can do with them. Feels good. Feels good to feel love, see the smiling faces, more champagne, 
it's getting everywhere, but we'll okay. worry about that later. For now, we will go back to the Wheel of Love. And let's find out who we are matching up next. And I'm seeing another big name. And there it is. Brock Bowers. Now, I can tell you about Brock Bowers. This is another one of the most popular names in this draft. If there is one thing that I have learned from listeners or folks commenting to us online, it is that people love Brock Bowers. They want Brock Bowers to be drafted very highly. In fact, over pretty much anybody not named Marvin Harrison Jr. And much of that, Colin, may depend on where he is selected in the NFL draft. So, with that said, who are our suitors for the tight end, Brock Bowers? The suitors for Brock Bowers are as follows. We have the Los Angeles Chargers. They're back. Got the number five pick. Nobody really knows what they're going to do. We have the Tennessee Titans. We have the New York Jets. And we have the New Orleans Saints, if there's a little bit of a Brock Bauer slide. So my perfect match for Brock Bowers is the Los Angeles Chargers. So Brock Bowers is a weapon. He can do everything. He did get caught standing next to Gronk. We all saw the picture. He did look like a software engineer. It's okay. Because <laughs> put on the tape. <laughs> he doesn't play like that. Uh, but the Chargers are going to need a tight end. I, they, they just don't have one at all. And instead of dipping into the, the wide receiver pool, they can get somebody that, you know, Jim Harbaugh's familiar with as a former college football guy. You know, he's been seeing this guy win best tight end in college football two years in a row. Uh, Gerald Everett is an unrestricted free agent. Let him walk out the door and just bring in a dynamic piece. Let, you know, your wide receiver core that you have right now, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Quinn Johnson, let them hang out. Let them be them and just – Bring in a certified weapon to carve up the middle of the field, to help out Justin Herbert, get yards after the catch. Hard-nosed guy. You know Jim, Jim Harbaugh is going to like that. Jim Harbaugh. Long and storied coaching career that has involved many very talented tight ends. Let's go all the way back to Stanford. Tight end you, maybe, once upon a time. And there were some names there during his tenure. A young Zach Ertz had just entered the program when he departed for San Francisco, in which he was matched up with Vernon Davis. Another slightly undersized, very fast very tight end. Very underrated. So, you know... Bowers, not underrated, but he is a little small, very fast. And then Michigan, in which uh, a, a program based around the run game 
based around big personnel groups. They ran a lot of 12 personnel this year, helping Blake Corum and company in the run game and also getting players like Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner involved in the passing game as well. And all of that, Colin, is precisely why this is a perfect match. This is the other one that I, I drove myself a little crazy on because I think the Chargers end up being this sort of like destination point where we have these t- s- s- wide receivers with so much talent and you start to envision, you know, what does life look like with Malik neighbors in LA or what does life look like with, you know, Romo Dunze in LA with Justin Herbert. But I think there is a lot of truth to what is becoming a bit of a cliche at this point already. And this will probably evolve over time, but the latest you know, buzzy talking point here is this Harbaugh, Brock Bowers, you know, hard nose football. We want to run the ball. We want to get, you know, 12 personnel in there. You know, they're going to have to figure out a run game to, to, to base that scheme around because it's not coming from Austin Eckler, but I know who it's coming from. <laughs> Blake Corum. Boom. They're drafting Blake Corum. <laughs> There's no way they don't. I, I'd be, yeah, I, I, I would be shocked. To be fair, if the Chargers do not walk out of the draft with Blake Corum, but um, Brock Bowers, I, I think there is a lot of truth to this like running narrative of like he is first and foremost a weapon, like you said. That, like let's not pretend like them getting you know a player like Neighbors or Odunze. Like this isn't that far of a departure in terms of like off potential offensive impact because. You can get Bowers involved in a variety of ways, and you already have these great receivers to play with. And, you know, I don't know what they'll do in terms of the cap situation. We have a new GM in there as well. We don't know how they're going to attack it. Both of those players do have outs at this point in time. There is, you know, a lower dead money hit at this point for those players, but we'll see how that goes. Quinn Johnston, I mean, I get it. It was a very bad rookie season and that's not a great indicator of future success but I do think there is still this like okay he's still developing we can maybe get something out of him while that's all happening just get Brock Bowers in there let him work the middle of the field Justin Herbert is excellent in the middle of the field let's get him you know involved in these creative ways motion play action all of these things that he was doing at Georgia they're going to they'll be able to use him in similar ways there. And so I think at the end of the day, while five may seem rich for a tight end because we just kind of did this and it was almost like a thought experiment of like, should we do this anymore? And you could argue no, but we're going to do it again with Brock Bowers when the fit is this perfect. Good players matter. You know, you, there's the people that say oh, running backs don't matter. Linebackers don't matter. You know, you can scrape, you can get tight ends late. You know, good players matter. That's how I feel. And Brock Bowers, damn good player. So, I mean, this is, and this is another thing here. We've talked about this already, but it's going to continue to be a thing here. Brock Bowers ending up at 18, 20, 
22 like these later first round spots that you see them in the in mock drafts like this is exactly what happened with Bijan last year. I, I mean, it was I like, felt weird even like thinking he was going to fall to fourteen. I was like, this is this is too late, right? And honestly, that's more of what you're seeing. Like most mock drafts have him in that like teens to like early twenties sort of range, right. and I'm like, I just don't see that happening. I know there's not many great tight end fits in the top ten right now. But that's I that's not going to stop this from happening. Just so, don't let him fall to Cincinnati at eighteen. Yeah, that'd be oh messed god. up. Oh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are on a little bit of a hot streak. We with the Doing atmosphere in, in the air has turned. There, we're feeling the the emotions, the love here once again. Let's keep it rolling. You're going back to the wheel of love. We have five names remaining. Halfway through. Oh, let's keep um coming. At the top of this draft, it's Malik Neighbors time. So now let's remember the Chargers are taken. They are they have courted Brock Bowers. It is a mutual affection. They are out the door doing whatever it is they're doing. That means the Chargers are off the table. For Malik Neighbors, and that has been a hot spot for him, uh, including for us in conversations that we've had. So let's find out what happens with Malik Neighbors. Give a, give me your suitors for Malik Neighbors. So my suitors are as follows, or I should say were as follows. We have the New England Patriots. We have the Arizona Cardinals with their first first-round pick. We have the Los Angeles Chargers, who are now off the board. And we have the Chicago Bears. So each of these suitors now has a higher percent chance of going home with Malik Neighbors, and I'm sure they're all ecstatic about that. And the perfect match for Malik Neighbors is the Chicago Bears. So, how do we get here with with Malik Neighbors is the number one question. Because I don't think he falls to nine where Chicago is picking with their second pick. I don't think they take him one. So, this will take a little bit of a trade chicanery. You know, maybe they trade up from nine, get their guy, secure a wide receiver to put alongside their quarterback at one. Maybe they trade down from one and select Malik Neighbors to pair up with Justin Fields. So either way, I think Malik Neighbors is perfect for this Bears offense. I think it's exactly what they need. So Darnell Mooney is their only guy with real speed outside of DJ Moore, obviously. And Malik Neighbors has speed to spare. So Mooney is likely out the door, I would assume. Replace him with number eight. Good Lord. It is going to be, I mean, pair him up with DJ Moore. I mean, they can all, they can both play every position that a wide receiver might need to play. Um, they get this passing game off the ground. 
Shane Waldron, I mean, he schemed up a pretty solid offense despite what Jackson Smith and Jigma <laughs> might lead you to be- to believe. Um, he schemed up a two-wide receiver heavy offense with Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, it's walking into a changing situation in Chicago where things might be turning around a little bit for them. I won't beat around the bush. This is a perfect match. Really, yeah. <laughs> uh, and to be quite honest, at this point in time, I, I will not rule out that they can stick at nine and get either Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze. Like, I think there is enough, you know, stock to be put in how offensive line needy these teams are from the giants to tennessee you know atlanta's not taking another wide receiver so i think there's (laughs) why not you know um but i do think there is a possibility of this happening and it doesn't make sense like mentally like it's like a player like this shouldn't get to nine but i mean I've seen, well, and and this is a little bit of an outlier and an exception, but like, again, if you're consuming an unhealthy amount of NFL mock drafts, you may come across one such as the one that I saw in which Malik Neighbors was going 15 in this draft. And I'm like, I no, I don't think so, but you know, maybe I, I don't know. What do we know? You know? So but I think it's a lot more realistic that he does or one of them falls tonight. And in this case, I think this is the perfect match because I go back to something that I recently heard Connor Rogers say Connor Rogers of draft fame. Uh, He's a multi platform persona. Uh, You probably have heard this name if you follow along with the draft, but Anyway, Connor Rogers, well-respected, very knowledgeable. He recently said, I can't get the idea of a DJ Moore Malik neighbors offense out of my head because these players are very similar in, in what they do and how they win. And initially when I was thinking about this, I was like, I don't really love that fit because it's like, why, why have two of the same guy? Like, a player like Odunze might fit better in this offense because he's more of that perimeter, you know, contested catch player. I think this is a dangerous game, though. When you have Caleb Williams, what we assume to be Caleb Williams, and then you add these two surgical wide receivers that are v- both versatile weapons as well. And you have a player like DJ Moore, who's playing, you know, 80-20 outside this past year. And you had a player like Darnell Mooney, like you said, who is an unrestricted free agent this year, playing a majority of their slot snaps. So now you have Malik Neighbors, who excels in the slot, slotting right in in the slot role, but he can switch off. We can mix him and match him. We can put more in the slot. We can get Neighbors outside. We can match him up. We can get creative and by God, they're going to be open. Somebody's going to be open on every play. And there's a lot of speed on this field. So 
I think it makes a lot of sense to just build on that sort of mold of a player, build this offense around that skill set with a player like Caleb Williams. It's a scary thought. And as a Packers fan, it's a very scary thought. Yeah, I don't really like it. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a perfect match. It is. So we are continuing the streak here. Man, this is like, his rose petals are like yeah, falling seriously. from the sky. Where are they even coming from? That's what I'm wondering. But it's electric. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, let's go back to the wheel of love. We got four names. We got the white whale is still out there. Everybody wants to talk to him, but we're gonna have to wait on Marvin because it's time to talk about Keon Coleman, one of the most divisive names in this draft class and with that comes a very expansive draft range colin so where do we go in terms of our four suitors so i still believe keon coleman to be a first round wide receiver some people do not agree with me that's okay so you can like austin said earlier translate these to a different round if you so please But for me, I have the Indianapolis Colts, who are sitting at pick 15. It would be pretty high for Keon Coleman, but I'm rocking with it. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars at 17. We have the Dallas Cowboys at 24. And we have the Kansas City Chiefs sitting at 32. So, a lot of interesting teams here. You got the Colts, you know, they they got a couple guys. They got Anthony Richardson, you know. Pittman just had a huge season. Uh, You have the Jaguars, who, a lot of question marks with that wide receiver room. We don't know about Calvin Ridley coming back. We, I mean, Christian Kirk is a mainstay there. Slot guy, though. We got the Cowboys, and they got CeeDee Lamb, obviously, who is going to be the guy. Uh, But... Outside of that, you know, it's a little bit questionable. And then Kansas City. Uh, we saw the patchwork that that Patrick Mahomes was throwing to in that Super Bowl, in that playoff run. My perfect match for Keon Coleman is the Dallas Cowboys. So Cowboys, they have CeeDee Lamb. Behind him is Brandon Cooks, who's, you know, Brandon Cooks. little Getting a little long in the tooth at this point. Perpetually underrated Brandon it's, Cooks. It's true. Uh, we're getting – the perpetual is getting long at this point. <laughs> like, we're in the year nine of him being underrated. Uh, we have Michael Gallup, who's there also, who – I mean, we can all be honest, hasn't been that great uh, since the injuries. And I just don't see Jerry Jones looking at this guy, Stephen Jones, whoever's doing the drafting these days, looking at a guy like Keon Coleman and not thinking this is the player that can elevate our offense. You know, they they go and they can free up CD a little bit they get a guy that can run after the catch. You see it on the punt returns, the kick returns. He can do he can complement CD really well. 
because CD, I mean, he is like one of the best receivers in football. He does a lot of his work, you know, dragging across the field, getting the ball in his hands, making things happen, uh, going over the middle of the field. I mean, CD can do everything, but he excels in the middle of the field. Coleman can play on that perimeter a little bit. He can be a little more of an athlete, a little more of a jump ball guy, kind of take Gallup's role and just juice it up. You know, make it, you know, seven years younger and give it good knees and better hands and see what happens. So, Keon Coleman, my perfect match, Dallas Cowboys. Look, Keon Coleman has a big game. Big game. Uh, highlights, big catches, made for Texas football, made for AT&T Stadium, the lights, gets to develop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, man. Gets to develop behind one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Some might even argue the best. I won't, but (laughs) you might. Um. So that's a good thing. He gets to develop. Got Dak Prescott, MVP candidate quarterback at the helm. We like that a lot. We like that this offense is explosive. It's a good team. And that is precisely why this would have been a great fit if the Kansas City Chiefs were not amongst Keon Coleman's suitors because – the defending champs, what do we know about them? Patrick Mahomes basically did it himself, and I don't know how he did it, and it showed up again in this game. We had drops. We had miscommunications. Rasheed Rice had a had a really promising rookie season, and honestly, what the only thing that gives me pause about this fit is that I almost feel like Keon Coleman is best served in a Rice type of role in his first year in the NFL, where it's a lot of design touches, it's quick stuff, it's get the ball in his hands and let him go to work after the catch. Because I feel like that is maybe the strongest part of his game in terms of what's going to translate from day one in the NFL. I think the contested catch stuff obviously is a big part of his game, but it is an area in which he's still refining and developing. I think he's a very large man that is extremely athletic and can do things with the ball in his hands. We mentioned, you know, the punt return work that he did there wasn't always showing up in the receiving work, but you can see how skilled he is with the ball in his hands in the open field. So I almost feel like a team could use him in a way like Rasheed Rice, who was a perimeter sort of like vertical threat at SMU, a jump ball guy. You know, he was that sort of player, and the Chiefs kind of changed his game to fit what they wanted to do and to fit, you know, a, a, a role that could help him acclimate to the NFL level. But outside of that, I really do like this fit a lot because I think it gives Patrick Mahomes that player that is going to, you know, maybe he's not – the most consistent separator. Maybe he's not, you know, that we can, we can at least budge a little bit on that and say, he's not the best separator in this class. When the play breaks down 
and Pat needs a player downfield that can go up and win the ball, this is one of the best ones in this draft. And there is plenty of time and room for Keon Coleman to continue developing from, okay, he's a player that we can throw it up to. He can bring it down. We can scheme touches for him, get the ball in his hands. He can play special teams potentially to this just develops into the number one option in Kansas city. That is an outcome in Keon Coleman's, you know, timeline. It's, it's in his multiverse, you know, reality, like, Getting excited could... for Madam Web, I see. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, Sydney Sweeney's has got me thinking about. Uh, <laughs> hey, don't get me started. Let's keep Whoa, going. Whoa, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, but, yes, I think 32 defending champs add to an area of weakness with an ultra upside player that might not be there today, but could be there in a year or two as the guy that this team and this quarterback can rely on yeah the chiefs was the uh you know the the other person at the podium for me i was you know the my only concern with kansas city is we've seen them take you know a couple couple of receivers looking at sky Moore, who uh you know, they just kind of – he needed a little bit of work. He needed a little bit of help. And, uh, you know, Steve Smith said he was going to be the next great wide receiver. And it seems like they kind of tossed him away. You look at Kadarius Toney. Uh, I can't I can't. I can't do But, yeah, I, I can totally see a, a scenario – where he becomes a favorite target of Patrick Mahomes. And if he's at, you know, 32 and that happens, uh, that would be pretty electric. But, um, man, I just – I can't stop thinking of, like, this Dallas offense with Keon Coleman, you know, both of them going for, uh, you know, 1,000-plus, looking pretty pretty sexy, throwing the ball up and down the field. Listen. I like that you brought up the Dallas wide receiver fit a lot because it's not something we're hearing much right now, but I think it's something that is worth considering and worth talking about because I would, the way that you outlined it there, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. I mean, we have CD, we know that, but what else is there? There's not a lot. So I think a lot of these, you know, Fits are things that okay, yeah, that's happening. Like we've 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 read about this, we've we've thought about this, but it's fits like this where it's not really on the radar, but it makes sense that are mm-hmm. worth considering talking about. So I like that you brought that up a lot. I hope we have uh, a couple more of those yet in the bag. But we are running low on names here. There are three names left on the wheel of love, and I will spin that right now and it looks like we have brian thomas jr so the other wide receiver that sort of fits in this range and where exactly in this range will he go nobody really knows right now but my potential fits my suitors for brian thomas jr are 
all the way up here as early as the Broncos picking at number 12, which I've I've heard a lot of rumblings that Sean Payton's not leaving this draft without a quarterback, and I'm I'm preparing myself for quarterback mania in three months from or two months from now. Um, but I still thought this was an interesting one that you're not really hearing much about right now. Uh, how about the Jaguars, which I think you have heard a fair amount about. We've seen some wide receivers mocked there, including this player himself. Uh, you you outlined that need with Keon Coleman. How about the Cincinnati Bengals, where, you know, this might not be their biggest need as a team, but if T. Higgins somehow gets out of that building, this could be an interesting player to take over that role in this offense. And then the Houston Texans, which some folks are really adamant, need a wide receiver in the first round. And I might disagree with you because I think Nico Collins is really good, but he's they're they're here they're trying to get brian thomas jr because he is also very good so who is the perfect match for brian thomas jr that would be the jacksonville jaguars because of one primary reason trevor lawrence trevor lawrence needs weapons to throw it to and we tried this with calvin ridley and calvin was fine but he wasn't exactly the player that i think jags fans maybe were expecting to get when that trade was made and maybe not even the player that doug peterson and company were expecting in this offense but his future is regardless uncertain with the team right now and outside of that like we said before Christian Kirk, okay, that's fine. That's going to be your slot player. And then we have guys like Zay Jones that are still somehow relevant in 2024. So let's try to change that by bringing in a a large, very fast perimeter threat like Brian Thomas Jr., who can be a vertical winner in this offense in which Trevor Lawrence excels at pushing the ball down the field. Let's get him a real you know, big target for these deep shots that he wants to take. And then in the red zone where they have struggled mightily for two years now, Brian Thomas Jr., 17 touchdowns this year. A lot of them were, like we said, these deep shots, flies, posts, and all of those things, but not a bad jump ball player himself. And that shows up in red zone opportunities. So let's get a player that can help them in that area as well. I think this is the perfect fit. It's a perfect match. <laughs> it's got to be a perfect match. I mean, it's too easy. This, this one was, I mean, written in the stars, you might say. Brian Thomas Jr. brings an element that the Jaguars lack right now. You think about what you said, uh, the Zay Jones of it, and you just replace Zay Jones with Brian Thomas, and it just completely elevates what your offense can do. I think it obviously helps out Trevor Lawrence. I mean, even if you keep Calvin Ridley and your offense is Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Brian Thomas with ETN and Trevor Lawrence and then, you know, Evan Ingram, who knows what they're going to do with him. 
but that's the makings of a much improved offense. And you just have a guy that can win downfield, can win in contested catches, can, I mean, the red zone thing, like, cannot be understated how bad they were in the red zone, how many missed opportunities it had. You, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, like, his numbers looked not great this year. But you watch how many, like, it's unbelievable how many times wide receivers didn't get the second foot down, how many times it goes off their fingertips, you know, how many times it's just out of reach. Like, there is probably 10, 15 touchdowns just on the board. And I think Brian Thomas helps with the the red zone stuff, helps convert a few more of those, you know, 10, 15 missed opportunities. But also just takes the ceiling off of this team because Ridley is not the deep threat that he once was. Because you look back at the Atlanta Calvin Ridley, and that's a guy that can, you know, route somebody up and beat him over the top while Julio does his work in the intermediate. Ridley just does not have the juice. At least he didn't last year. It was his first year back. Give him a little bit, maybe. But he just did not have that juice. Uh, Christian Kirk, I mean, he was a deep threat in Arizona. He just hasn't been that guy with the Jags. They don't ask him to do that very much. And then it's everybody else. So Brian Thomas walks in and fills a role that, I mean, the Jaguars are desperate for. I don't know if they go wide receiver this early because they have a lot of holes to fill, but this is a perfect match. We're we're doing pretty good. We are, you know, we we're we're doing all right as matchmakers. There's a lot more happy faces than sad faces, but there are two more to go. Let's see if we can end on a high note. We still have the man himself. Will we save the best for last? No, we won't, because it's time to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. The wheel of love has spoken, and I mean, Marvin is, we're at a point now where he's being talked about as high as number three over a quarterback, and that is why we have our first suitor here is the New England Patriots. This is becoming a realistic option that they will forego their quarterback need in favor of a potentially franchise-altering talent at the wide receiver position. We also have the Arizona Cardinals, who feel like you know they they walked into this little speed dating session and they kind of felt like you know th- this is ours to lose, right? But is that a little bit of Jonathan Gannon false charisma coming through? I don't know, potentially. Uh, well, it got a little easier for them because another option here was uh, the L.A. Chargers. They have they are long gone with Brock Bowers at this point. Um, and the New York football giants, who are also long gone with a wide receiver of their own at this point. So... It is now a battle of two, and the Arizona Cardinals will not be denied on their search for love and specifically 
Love with the prize of the session, and that is Marvin Harrison Jr. This one is really too easy, and that's exactly why it's a perfect match. Because for months and months and months, we have been considering the possibility that Arizona would land in a sit in a spot in the draft to be able to select this player who fits so well with where they are and where they need to go. We have a, you know, you can debate where Kyler falls on the like franchise quarterback scale, but I'm going to call him a franchise quarterback. They have that guy in the building already. What they don't have is a number one option for him a player that he has not had since DeAndre Hopkins. And so let's get Marvin Harrison Jr. in here, the building block, the wide receiver one from the minute he steps into that building, forms this rapport with Kyler, elevates this offense single-handedly, and then we can start to really see what do we have here and, and where can we go as a franchise with these Two pieces on offense. It's franchise cornerstone, Marvin Harrison Jr., and I'd hate to see him go to the Patriots. So, of course, the Cardinals is a perfect match. I mean, this is one of my, like, locks of the draft is Marvin Harrison Jr. going number four to Arizona. And the only thing that would spoil that is if the Patriots took him at three. So I'm just hoping that doesn't happen and he doesn't have to suffer through, you know, the doldrums of Zappy, Mac Jones, maybe Kirk Cousins, I don't know, whoever they end <laughs> up starting next year at quarterback, whether they go the, the free agent route, draft like Bo Nix or something and throw him in to the, you know, anyway. I don't want that to happen to Marvin Harrison Jr. What I do want is him to get paired up with an established quarterback who we know can support fantasy-relevant players. Uh, Hollywood Brown may be out the door. He's a, he's a free agent. Uh, they still have guys in that building. They have Trey McBride at tight end. Because, I mean, the question becomes, is he going to be able to succeed as the only guy on the offense? Is there enough talent to you know just have Marvin Harrison Jr. and nobody else. Well, I think that they have, you know, enough where he's not going to be able to like defenses aren't going to be able to just say cover Marvin Harrison Jr. we don't have to worry about anything else. Ed McBride, they have Michael Wilson, they have, you know, their little guys that they throw out there, Rondell Moore, Greg Dorch, and you know, the their run game looked good this year with James Conner. So get Marvin Harrison Jr. in here. Like you said, build that rapport with Kyler Murray and watch him become one of the top wide receivers in football. Watch him become, you know, top three dynasty wide receiver. Watch him become a top 10 dynasty asset, period. Like this is a a cornerstone. This is the guy that walks into your building and immediately changes like the fate of your offense. That's exactly how 101 managers may feel 
in this situation in which he is the new face of the Arizona Cardinals. So that is a perfect match. And we have one final name. There has been much celebration. There's hearts are swelled with affection and love and many have already left we have some down by the lake potentially we're not gonna ask any questions as to what's Cameras going are not on going but, down there <laughs> but there is one lonely camper standing in the middle of the cabin here finishing off this perfect match event ahead of valentine's day and it is my RB1 in this class, Trey Benson. Can I be the perfect match? I'll take him. I'm in. <laughs> we but haven't connected with a running back yet. We have not. So everything kind of rides on this. We've been lockstep with the wide receivers. We've gone uh, six for seven on wide receivers. Five for six. Can I count? I don't know. Five for six. On wide Brock receivers. Bowers. Yeah. That counts. That counts. Five and a half. So will we get a running back? Trey Benson. I have suitors for Benson here. The Los Angeles Chargers, who have synced up with Brock Bowers, but they're not above polygamy. All right. There is a situation here where we can come back in in the third round and Two say, different all positions. right. Yeah, exactly. Let's get weird. Yeah. Why not? Uh, how about the New York football giants again, we might double dip here. Uh, it's 2024. So, you know, yeah, who right. cares? Uh, how about the Arizona Cardinals? More teams here that have added to the pass catching position early in this draft that are now trying to round out the running back department and the green Bay Packers who were spurned on Jonathan Brooks. And because I played matchmaker on that one, you can expect that they will not be factoring <laughs> in in this one. So the Chargers, Giants, and Cardinals is really what we have here. Three different spots, different trajectories as teams, different, you know, potential allure as a running back spot i think uh, you know the saquon element is definitely a part of this where do, where does saquon end up but we will not need to answer that question for the purposes of this perfect match because i have selected the arizona cardinals who did in fact spurn jonathan brooks earlier in this speed dating session but I will tell you why I think this is a perfect match between Benson and the Cardinals because, A, there's pick flexibility here. This is something I could have also mentioned with the Green Bay Packers, with Jonathan Brooks. Both of these teams have a lot of flexibility in ranges in which a running back might be selected in this class. In this case, Arizona has, I believe, two seconds and two-thirds if I'm not mistaken, or maybe that was the Packers. I know for a fact that they have two thirds. And at this point in time, I will swallow my pride and say that Trey Benson most likely tops out as a third round pick in the NFL. At least that is where, you know, smarter people than me are telling me he's going to go. I think this is a really good matchup 
with the Cardinals because the James Conner element here is a real thing. Conner saw a sort of career, like an, a nearly career season here with in the first year of this Drew Petzing offense in Arizona. Petzing coming over from the Browns, Kevin Stefanski. We, you know, obviously a great coach, just one coach of the year. We know how you know val- much value they place on the running game with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt once upon a time. Petzing comes over and we see this emphasis on the run game, even with a player like James Conner, who I'm not trying to slight Conner here, but not a player that was lighting up many eyes in terms of a dynasty perspective or just a fantasy perspective in general coming into the 2023 season. And Connor has this great year they ran a lot of power for Connor, which I thought was a great decision for his running style and his skill set. So they're setting him up. There's, you know, mixing it up zone and gap, but leaning on the gap side of things. And Trey Benson is coming from two years at Florida state of running gap scheme I think Benson can, you know, more than adequately run a zone focused offense. I think there's a lot of stock to put in, you know, a sort of like Shanahanian offense with Benson, getting him lateral, getting him, you know, an ability to use his skill set in space. But I also think Benson is a player that can excel in this sort of environment where it's, hey, this is where you're running. Make the guy miss in that area. And I think Benson also has some sneaky power that we kind of forget about a little bit because he didn't show it as much in 2023, but 2022, he ran with this, you know, ultra elusiveness, but also a lot of power 4.5 yards per contact, uh, per attempt in 2022. And that was a very high number. It would have been the highest number amongst the backs that we talked about in this, you know, in the perfect matches here. So, I think there's untapped power with Benson. I think he fits well in this scheme. And I think, you know, you can bring back Connor for the year. I mean, it's only like you're, I think they only save like 3 million or something like 5 million or something. If they cut him, you can keep Connor for this year. Let Benson come in, be that change of pace back and uh, turn the ropes over to him uh, next year fully. I think, you know, as this offense grows, I think, whatever running back ends up here is in for, you know, potential success and and certainly excitement in the dynasty community. And Benson was one that I thought uh, would fit really well here. Chargers make a lot of sense here. You know, they Eckler looked rough this season. He he did look like a shell of his, his former self. Uh, Didn't have a lot of juice and, I just feel like Trey Benson could walk into there and be their lead back. I mean, if not this year, then next year. But they're not a perfect match. The Cardinals are a perfect match. What? Let's go. I think that what you're, you're putting down, I'm picking up. The the Cardinals I, I wanted for Jonathan Brooks. Um, but I feel like the same kind of messaging for Jonathan Brooks is in line with Trey Benson. They're they're similar players. 
in terms of style. You know, they, they're elusive. They can get out on the edge. They can make plays happen, and they can, uh, you know, turn the, the burners on if they need to. And I, I feel like this Cardinals team needs juice more than anything. And as much as Connor is a good football player and, like, he was – uh, he rose above expectations in the 2023 season. He's still not like a big play threat it, like a Trey Benson or, you know, some of these running backs that are in this draft class. So, I mean, Benson, I, I have my issues with him that I've put out there, but if nothing else, he's a guy that can be an excellent playmaker. And if he's going to be the number one running back on an ascending team that you know is going to take Marvin Harrison at pick four and then run it with Kyler and Trey Benson and Marvin Harrison and then whoever else they end up putting around them I mean they need to address this defense they do but I mean scoring a ton of points helps your defense a little bit look at that story book ending started out a little rough it did you know we were going back and forth a little bit we build that tension and we bring it home in a big way lots of like the super bowl yeah yeah by what a great game that incredible by the way like top five of you know maybe ever i top five that i've seen i mean the second super bowl ever to to go to overtime i mean Unbelievable that I've seen both of them that have happened. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, legendary kicking performances. Seriously. <laughs> record breaker and then another record breaker. But yeah. I was just shocked that there was only seven 50-plus yarders in Super Bowl history. Yeah, when they were like, oh, 55 yards, the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. I was like, there's no way. That's not right. Like, the record is 64 yards. you tell telling yeah. me they haven't gotten, like, to 58? Right. <laughs> Jesus. Well, it was an overall successful matchmaking event. You know, some players and teams are sulking, but most are off and enjoying their night, enjoying their evening ahead of this Valentine's Day. So uh, I hope, you know, this was insightful in terms of what is to come with these players because they are not just, you know, Oh man, I like Trey Benson a lot. He's elusive and he's fast. And oh man, I like Malik Neighbors. What a what a let like this is the point in time where these players are going to find homes in the NFL very soon. And that is the point in time in which we have to start thinking about what is the dynasty impact that they can have. And in many of these cases, this is a look at the best case scenario for some of these players right now. But we have a lot of time, Colin to talk about what is coming for the 2024 rookie class. We will get into plenty NFL draft action as this cycle moves forward. But next week is our chance to take a step back and not just one step back, but a whole 365 steps back because we are going to go back in time and look at the 2023 class of 
campers. This was a fun introduction for our 2024 guys, but it is time to revisit. Now that the NFL season has officially concluded, we're going to be going back and doing a 2023 redraft where we can talk about our hits, our misses, and everything that has changed one year later. Is Bijan still the number one pick? Does Jameer Gibbs overtake him? How high does Puka Nakua go? Find out next week on Camp Dynasty. Incredible. Can we get like a trailer made? For that? <laughs> that's just that's just too good right there. But um, if you enjoyed our matchmaking session today on Perfect Matches, we had a lot of fun with it, and I hope you had fun listening. And if you did, please find us on X, formerly known as Twitter at Camp underscore Dynasty and TikTok at Camp Dynasty, and also our YouTube channel where you can uh, you know, comment. We, we check the comments on YouTube. You can comment on TikTok. We had, like I said earlier, we had the Malik neighbors. There was a whole saga where people were very uh, – the takes are flying is what I'm saying. A discourse so going on. Please share your takes if you agree, disagree with anything that we said. We'd love to hear that. So find us on one of those channels and get in touch with us there. And if you enjoyed the pod – be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, follow, share the pod feed because we very much appreciate that. We do very much appreciate that. Interact. It means a lot. Give us a, a – you guys didn't didn't get us to 100 subscribers, and I'm a little disappointed. I'm not mad. Just a little but disappointed. We got – what are we at, 97? Like 90, 96, 97, you know. Yeah. We'll get there. Valentine's Day. Spread the love. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. There it is. All right. Thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week. And we'll see you next week.